to the heavens. Jesus, be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about my heart. From my heart to the heavens. Jesus, Jesus, be the
Love it sings to you. 
It just takes one look, just one touch, Jesus, just for everything to turn around. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is here this morning. With just one touch. Oh God, with just one touch. We thank you this morning, oh God. Just love him this morning. Just love him. Just love Jesus. Let him know how much you love him. How much you appreciate him. Adore him this morning. Oh, God, there is none like you. We're grateful this morning, oh, God. You've been so good to us, oh, God. And, oh, God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in our heart in this service this morning. Oh, Father, you are all-powerful, and there's nothing that you cannot handle. And, oh, God, we turn everything over to you, Lord God. You said to cast our care upon you. And Lord, we cast our care upon you this morning. 
You cared for us, Lord God. You cared for us, Lord Jesus. Oh, without you, Lord God, we're nothing, Lord God. And we cast all our care upon you this morning. That your will may be done this morning. That your will may be done, Lord God. Oh, God, we seek you. We follow after you, Lord God. Oh, God, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, God, we have tasted and seen. We have tasted and seen. We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We have tasted and seen, Lord God. There is none like you. There is none like you. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 If it wasn't for the Lord who is on our side, where would we be? My God. Amen. Thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his goodness. Appreciate my wife this morning for giving everything that she's got to be in here. She pushed through to be here this morning. And she's given everything that she can. Thank God for just her fortitude and just saying, I'm a Christian and this is who I am. And though the world around me might seem to be crashing down on me, and though it seems like everything is just not good right now, she pressed her way through. She's here this morning. The Lord's got her. The Lord's got her. sometimes we focus on, you know, the challenging time or challenging situation we're dealing with. And that's fine. But sometimes, you know what you need to stop and think? I have the Lord in my life and it's still challenging me. Can you imagine going through hard times? Can you imagine going through these times of just distraught and distress and not have the Lord. So we thank the Lord that no matter what we're going through, that he's in our life. And no matter how difficult it may be, he's got our backs. He's got us. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. Every year around this time, the month of October, we try to bring to you awareness the disease cancer and we'll, we talk about the different um, areas of cancer and so this year we're going to talk to you a little bit about colon cancer because we always want to make you aware I believe that if God has blessed us with talents and gifts that we ought to share them with the body that's why God has even given them to us for us to share and you know 
help the body to be better. And God has blessed us with a good amount of nurses in this church and in the health profession. And so we thank God for that. And so we're going to have one of our nurses come this morning and just share with you just a little overview on colon cancer, just to make you aware. Some of you are young and may not be close to being in this area, but we're educating you. And some of us need to really get checked out. I did mine a couple years ago. I guess I got to go back in another year or so. So um, it's important for us to learn and understand the different things that's taking place in our body. Sister Kitty, will you come and nurse us this morning, please? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> All right, as Pastor was saying, you know, we just want to make sure that the body is educated. So bear with me as I inform you this morning. So we're going to discuss colorectal cancer or colon cancer. Um, ten really important facts that you need to know about it. Number one, colorectal cancer is the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths in men and women in the United States. The CDC and American Cancer Society estimate that more than 50,000 Americans die from colon cancer each year. That's nearly 140 people a day. Number two, Colon cancer affects both men and women of all ethnicities. The lifetime risk of developing colon cancer in four to five percent is four to five percent in men and women, though men may get colon cancer at an earlier age than women. The risk of colon cancer increases with age. All races and ethnicities are at risk of colon cancer. There is, however, an increased risk among African Americans. Number three, cancer may be inherited. People with a family history of colon cancer have a two to five times more risk of having colon cancer. Some may even inherit colon cancer syndrome that increase their risk of developing disease to nearly 100%. Anyone who has multiple family members with colon cancer or relatives diagnosed with colon cancer at a young age may consider genetic testing. Number four, people with colon cancer may feel completely healthy. There may be subtle symptoms if a person has colon cancer, including fatigue, weakness, weight loss, abdominal pain, and rectal bleeding. There are instances where many people with colon cancer have no symptoms at all, especially during the early stages. This is why screening for colon cancer is extremely important. Number five, Colorectal cancer is one of the most preventable types of cancer. Most colon cancers develop from small growths in the lining of the colon and rectum called polyps. Certain types of polyps grow over time and transform into cancer. Finding and removing these polyps before they turn into cancer are integral to prevention. Number six, colonoscopy is the most effective colorectal, colorectal screening test. Although there are several types of colorectal screening and detection tests, such as Cologuard, flexible sigmoidoscopy, and virtual colonoscopy, a colonoscopy is the only test in which the entire colon can be visualized, and with such, colon polyps can be removed. According to the American College of Gastroenterology, cancer risk is reduced by 
after colonoscopy and polyp removal. Incidences of cancer have dropped by 30% after the widespread uptake in screening colonoscopy. Number seven, all men and women should have a screening colonoscopy as early as age 45. Recent data has shown a rise in colon cancer in people under the age of 50, which has led to the screening age of 45. A screening colonoscopy is usually covered by insurance. Those at higher risk of colon cancer, inherited colorectal cancer syndrome, known predisposing GI disorders, or those of African-American descent should most definitely be screened earlier than 45, earlier than age 50, excuse me. Number eight, colorectal screening saves lives. Early detection of colon cancer through screening can save a person's life. The five-year survival rate after detection and treatment of early stage colon cancer can be as high as 90%. The five-year survival rate after treatment of late stage colon cancer, however, is as low as 12%. Treatment of colon cancer is much more effective and even curable if it is detected early. Number nine, many Americans are not being screened when they should. According to the CDC, up to a third of people are not up to date on current colorectal cancer screening recommendations. The majority of these people have never had any screening tests performed. And finally, 10, adopting healthy habits may help lower your colorectal cancer risk too. A healthy diet that includes vegetables, fruits, whole grain fiber, and is low in fats is associated with a lower risk of colon cancer. Avoiding tobacco and heavy alcohol use can decrease the risk of colon cancer also. Regular physical activity and maintaining a normal body weight are also beneficial. Now that you know the facts, talk to your primary care provider about your colorectal cancer risks and when you would need to be screened. Also, there is information on colorectal cancer in the back of the church if you would like any additional information. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister Kitty. We appreciate you taking your time to share with us uh, the importance of being screened. Amen. Somebody say it's offering time. Well, let's stand. Amen. Let me get my offering out. Don't forget, next week, somebody say next week, is our first fruit offering for our commitment that we've made toward our REACH campaign for our building. So we made a commitment last week, and then we, part of the commitment is we will bring in all or a portion of what we have made a commitment for, and we will bring that in next Sunday during our church services. So don't don't miss next Sunday. We need you to be here. Don't skip. Don't be afraid. Just come on. I said um, to the leaders the other day, I said, um, you know, people have had bad experiences over their time going to churches or church services where they feel like, you know, that's what a lot of churches push, that they went to visit money give to this, give to that, and now they might come to our church 
and hear our push for our reach campaign and they could be turned off by it and it's okay it's their experience right and so um, that is to be expected but what we will continue to do is go forward because we know this is a God-given vision and God has opened the door for us to walk through and we'll continue to do it and at the end of this when we bring this vision to a reality those that had bad experiences that was kind of you know hesitant they will come on board and says wow okay you know that was really of God and that will will be a blessing that way as well so be faithful to what you have made a commitment for and to do amen let your yay be yay brother Reed I gave us that a long time ago that once we say yay to something follow through and fulfill that yay so once you said yay do what you got to do but remember, we've also said in our stewardship campaign that if you made a commitment and circumstance changes in your life and you need to adjust that, just adjust it. Don't make the devil make you feel bad. You know, it's like when you're fasting and for whatever the reason you slip up or you just had you fall in and ate something and the devil wants to tell you, see, I can't do it. And what would I always tell you? Just get back on your fasting, say, well, all right, I just ate, but I'm going to start fasting for the remainder of the time. Don't let one mishap or one mistake or one thing take you all the way down. Just get back up and keep going because that one thing should not stop you from accomplishing what you have set out to do in Christ. Amen? So make sure you, we have the envelopes. We have new envelopes just for the REACH um, campaign. So when you do give to REACH, we want you to put it in this envelope. This is, you'll get one next week. When you come next week, we'll, we'll hand them to you as you walk in so you can distinguish what you want the offering to go to. Now, don't forget now, because what, what happens sometimes is once you have made a commitment to give to a special offering, your regular offering slips. We don't want to slip on a regular offering. We want to continue to give what we've always given, but the reach campaign of giving to our purchasing of this property is something different. So it just means sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. sacrifice. Somebody say worship. There you go. So worship is what we will do and how we will live our life. But there is no worship if there's no sacrifice. Didn't we learn that? Can't say you're worshiping and there's never been a sacrifice. There has to be sacrifice to say that I am worshiping. So give this morning to the offering. We want you to be blessed and be, we want the Lord's will to be done. So please just give. Father, we thank you this morning for this opportunity to give for this is the way Lord God we are blessed financially as children of God and we come this morning cheerfully Lord God not grudgingly we're so thankful and we're so excited to come and bring our tithes and our offering into the storehouse for Lord we want to see your will done so many of us have friends and loved ones family members neighbors that are unsaved lord god and when we give we know we're given to the work of the ministry to the edifying of the body of the of christ lord and so we're coming lord god with expectation and anticipation of what you will do reaching this lost world through the efforts of your church we thank you this morning oh god and we pray that you will multiply this offering for oh god we put it in your hands now and we want your will to be done thank you lord we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget, you know how to give. 
It's on the screen. Give that way. Amen. We have ushers up here and in the middle. Give unto the Lord this morning.
My Lord. Hey, man, we've been having such a great time with the Dibbles. And, man, I can't believe these few days went by so quickly. Sunday got here so quick. They, they, it was just Thursday. They just got here. My goodness. Well, let the Lord do what the Lord is going to do. Brother Dibble have on his pink shirt. For those of you that don't know, Brother Dibble was, he had an issue. He was allergic to pink. Oh, yeah, he was allergic to pink. And so for many years, he never wore pink anything. And me and my friend, Brother White, we decided we got to get him to wear pink and let him know it's okay. You're still a guy. You're still a dude if you wear pink. And so we got him a pink shirt and pink socks. And when he got it, he kind of still had an issue with it. But finally, he succumbed to it. And now he has blessed us today. He's got his pink on. Thank you, Lord. Brother Dibble is funny. I'm telling you, you hang around him long enough, he has got that sense of humor. He's sneaky with his stuff. You know, you see him look so innocent, you know, like he never does anything. His poor dad raising them. I don't know. I would love to. There's stories that we don't know. We know some, but we don't know all. But, you know, he's got that innocent look, just, you know, not doing anything. And he's doing a whole lot. The good news is he preached that same way. Doesn't seem like he's doing anything, but he's doing a whole lot. Didn't we have a powerful service at the 9 a.m. service this morning? I believe God is going to use him one more time to minister to us. My friend, Brother Dibble, come on and minister the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's praise him together, shall we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so good, Jesus. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I give you praise, great God. Without you, we can do nothing, dear Lord. We confess our need of you today, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of John chapter number 9. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. I break this shirt out and this tie out one time every year when I come down here to be with Brother Wyatt. I figure he bought it for me, so I've got to at least wear it one time a year, right? I, I don't have, I gave the socks to my son, Blake. They were loud, they were like Pepto-Bismol pink. <laughs> and so I said, if anybody will wear them, my son Blake will wear them. And so he's, he still wears them today. John chapter 9, isn't it great to be in the presence of the Lord? How many know you can laugh in the presence of the Lord? You can have fun. There's times when we weep in his presence. There's times when he reaches down on the inside and he does a tremendous work. And whatever God has for us today, that's what we want, right? Praise God. John chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1, it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was born, or which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. I preached from this same passage Thursday night, a message I entitled, Get the Mud Out of Your Eyes. This morning, I want to come at this same passage from a different direction. I want to talk to you today on a change of direction, a change of direction. You can be seated this morning. John's gospel is unique. It is unlike the other three Gospels in several ways. One, it is not a synoptic retelling of the events of the life of Jesus. The other three Gospel writers do a good job of covering all of the various viewpoints on the life of Christ. But John's gospel has a different purpose. He is writing to establish the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the last gospel writer to write somewhere around 90 AD, and he was writing uh, to confront false doctrine that had slipped its way into the church regarding the incarnation. He was writing to correct that wrong. Now, Because of this, John doesn't use the same stories that the other gospel writers use. Each story he chooses is selected for the specific purpose of identifying the deity of the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every incident, every character, every action by Jesus and every word spoken by Jesus in the gospel of John was carefully chosen to fit John's overall purpose, which is why John chapter 9 is particularly interesting. The central character of this chapter is a blind beggar. He was a man that the scripture does not record his name. He had a condition that was beyond his control. And yet this particular character and this 
particular incident receives more attention from John than any other character or incident in the entire gospel of John. He was born blind. The Greek expression literally means that he was blind from the very hour of his birth. He has lived every day of his life in darkness, so much so that he has become accustomed to the darkness. He has learned to navigate through the city to get from his humble home where he still lives with his parents to the prime begging position that he has established over the years as his own. You see, blindness is a severe handicap, but it is an impediment that can be overcome. The other senses become more alert, and one learns to navigate by sound and by touch and even by the smell of fresh bread baking in the corner stall. Blind he was, and blind he would ever be. He had accepted his life such as it was, and had no reason to ever expect that things would ever change. This is who he is. This is his lot in life, and the very best that he can ever hope to accomplish is to make the best life possible out of the raw material flawed though it is that life has handed to him. In much the same way, all of us rub shoulders with those who are living in darkness today. It's not the darkness of someone living without sight, but it is spiritual darkness that has gripped so many in this world. It is a darkness that does not know who the Lord Jesus Christ is in any meaningful measure that could ever give them the possibility of having a changed life. The sad thing is that most people have become accustomed to the darkness and have become accustomed to living a life without the Lord Jesus. The sad thing is that most people know nothing of the abundant life that the Lord Jesus wants every person in this sanctuary to have and every person in this world to have. I never said that the Lord would take away all the difficult things that would come into an individual's life. I never said that there would never be another hard day or another valley that we have to work our way through to get to the next mountaintop. I never said that you'd never have another hard road to travel, but I did say that even in the middle of all of that living a life for the Lord Jesus Christ you can have abundant life in the middle of difficult circumstances you can have abundant life in the middle of the darkness that is around us everywhere you look today most have learned to make it through each day simply 
knowing about the Lord Jesus, but never really knowing the Lord Jesus for themselves. And they have accepted that this is all life will ever be. The best I can ever hope for is just to make the best out of what I have right now. This is all my life will ever amount to. And for a good majority of the world, they live in spiritual darkness. They live every day with fear of what tomorrow will bring, of what tomorrow will hold. And they live with no hope for the future. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, a change of direction. Suddenly one day, Jesus and his disciples passed by the man in the marketplace where he has established himself as a beggar who regularly works the same street corner living off of the mercy of others. The story doesn't say for sure, but undoubtedly this is not the first time that Jesus and the twelve have passed him by on the street. He's not a newcomer to the scene, and neither are they. But on this day, however, one of the disciples asked Jesus a question about the blind beggar. Assuming that the blindness of the man is a result of sin, the disciple asked whose sin it is. The sin of the parents or the sin of of the man. Now, there is a larger theological theme at play here, and John here is speaking both to the natural and to the spiritual reality in this story. If you were reading the book of John chronologically, you would know that in John chapter 8, Jesus declares to the woman caught in the act of adultery, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That phrase is repeated in the text that we read today from John chapter 9. Light and darkness. This is the underlying issue of the story of the blind beggar. He lives in darkness. But Jesus has declared that he is the light of the world. John's gospel goes beyond declaration to demonstration. John establishes who the Lord Jesus is by demonstrating what he has done. So the statement, I am the bread of life, is connected to the miracle of the breaking of bread and feeding the multitude. Likewise, the statement, I am the light of the world, is connected to this incident with the blind beggar and his healing. The larger issue here is the spiritual darkness that has gripped the world as a result of sin. So the disciples make that connection. 
reading the larger story into the life of the blind man. But Jesus doesn't answer the question the way it is posed. The question is one of fault and blame, but Jesus effectively sidesteps that whole issue and instead asserts his own spiritual authority. What matters is not the way the blind man became blind. What matters is that his blindness is subject to the power and authority of God. You see, we humans are always hung up on blame. We always want to lay the blame somewhere, anywhere, for how our lives have turned out. But Jesus, in his subtle way, shifts the focus of this story. And he says, it's not about blame, it's about change. It matters not how you got to where you are right now. It only matters that you don't have to stay here in this condition. It matters only that your spiritual condition is subject to the power and authority of Almighty God. Hallelujah. This is the point. That Jesus is proving when he spits in the dirt and he makes up a paste of mud and he puts it on the man's eyes. What happens next, however, I believe is the crux of the whole story. Verse 7 says, and he said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. After putting the mud on the eyes of the blind man, Jesus sends him away with specific instructions to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Just to make sure that you get the intention of the narrative, John translates for us what the word Siloam means. It means sent. And that is the point. Before he was healed, before his sight was restored, while he was still in the same condition that Jesus found him in, while he was still a blind beggar, Jesus sent him away. And this is the point of the story and it's where I want to focus for the next few moments. I'm preaching today a change of direction. Now, inertia is the principle that an object set in motion will continue on in that motion, on that path, perpetually, unless or until it is acted upon by an outside force. Can I tell you today that you have a spiritual enemy who would like you to believe that you are stuck on the path that you are on, that you are caught in the grip of spiritual inertia, if you will, that your future 
is determined already by your past. That you are nothing more than the sum total of your past mistakes. And that is all you will ever be. That what you have done and what others have done to you determines the path that you will travel into your future. It's like you are caught in the unseen current of a river being pulled along in an inevitable path designed to repeat past failures, relegated to the curse of generational sins. My father was this and so I will be this. This is always run in our family so I'm going to eventually end up here in this case that your life can never be anything more than the substance from which it has already been made. Can I tell you today, that is a lie from the darkest pits of hell. I'm here to remind you of the other half of the equation today. Yes, there is a truth to the fact that your actions may have set you on a path that your past has some bearing upon your future that you can become caught up in the stagnation of a lifetime of bad decisions but that is not the end of the story the other side of spiritual inertia is that an outside force can impact your life and forever change your direction they sang about it today just one look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just one touch from the Master can forever change your life. It is the liberating truth that you are not bound to repeat the past, that you are not caught up in the grip of an unchangeable future, that just one moment in the presence of Almighty God can forever change your life. One moment with the master and the woman with the issue of blood was healed and her life changed forever. One moment with Almighty God and the little girl that was dead was brought back to life. Her life was changed. One moment with the Lord Jesus and the man who was paralyzed got up from his bed, took up his bed, and he began to walk. He was changed forever. In the same way today, you may be bound by a lifetime of bad decisions, but one moment with the Master and you can be changed. You may have set, had your course set in this life by things that you never controlled, by things that were done unto you, but can I tell you, just one moment with Almighty God can completely change the course of your future. You may be going down the wrong road today, headed for destruction, but just one touch from the Lord Jesus and your life can be changed. God wants to give you a change of direction in your life today. This, I believe, is the whole point of the narrative. Without so much as an explicit promise of healing, Jesus tells the blind man who has never seen, 
to go to a specific pool and to wash himself. He sent him away blind. Though Jesus touched him with the intent of forever changing his life, I want you to notice that in the end, the impetus to act, to respond to the invitation of Jesus was on the blind man. He could have just turned around and went home. He could have just said, well, that all sounds good. I liked what I felt when I was in church at the temple here. Feeling the presence of God. I guess this is all there is to it. It's a lot of talk, but there's no action. I guess this is all there is. I like to come to church and play the part and tell everybody, hey, I'm a Christian. But when I leave here, I want to live my own life. I want to go my own direction. I want to do my own thing. Jesus did not arbitrarily just heal that man. Instead, he moved in his life and challenged him to respond in faith. Faith is my knowledge of who God is and what he can do in my life. Faith is knowing God so well so as to discern what He intends to do so that I can walk in harmony with Him. But in that moment when the man turns away from Jesus, his hope is confronted by reality. Hey, you're a blind man. Hey, you're this or you're that. Your daddy was an alcoholic. You're going to be an alcoholic. Your mother was a drug addict. That's what you're going to be. We feel the wonderful touch of God. He anoints our eyes with the mud. We feel the sweet presence of Almighty God. And God wants you to make a choice today. God wants you to make a decision. What am I going to do with what I felt here? I didn't just feel what I felt so I can have chill bumps run up and down my spine and just feel good for a little while. How many felt the sweet presence of the Lord while they were singing that song? Just one look. Just one look. We felt the presence of God sweep into this place. And then when they started singing, you turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. There's nothing impossible with God. But then we leave here. And we're confronted with the reality of our decisions. We're confronted with the reality of what our life is. This is what society says I am. This is uh, uh, how society has dictated that I'm going to go through the course of my life. And I can't do anything to control that. I'm telling you, if you reach and grab a hold of faith today... 
Faith is your knowledge of who God is. Knowing God so well so that you can discern what He intends to do. Maybe it's you that He's waiting on to change society. Maybe it's you that He's waiting on to be a light in this darkened world. His faith is assaulted by His circumstances. His mind begins to tell Him, this is crazy. Do you really think That if you do what he says to do, go wash in the pool of Siloam, your life is going to be changed. But faith rises up and grasps for that which is beyond its reach. Faith dares to believe that life does not have to continue as it always has been. That in the presence of the Lord Jesus, there is an opportunity for a change of direction. I want to tell someone in this place this morning that God loves you just like you are. But he will never leave you in the same condition that he found you. He's calling you to a changed life. But the path to that change requires obedience on your part. The path to that change requires that you live in accordance with His Word. God is going to ask you to act on your own, to grasp for the miracle of a new life in your faithful obedience before you ever see it come to pass. Your pastor has cast a vision for this church. We're going somewhere. This is not our final resting place right here. We're headed somewhere. He's cast a vision for this church that's beyond your ability to accomplish. Can I tell you, if you add the financial wealth of everybody in this sanctuary together and multiply it by ten, you still don't have enough to get to where God is calling you to go. But if in faith you just decide, I'm going to be obedient to the Word of God and I'm going to take my little two mites and I'm going to put them in the offering. I'm going to put everything I have and I'm going to put it in the hand of God. You can get to where God is calling you to go. It takes faith. Requires something on your part. James said it best in James 2 and 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. The kind of faith that will change your life and forever alter your direction. The kind of faith that will pick you up out of this place and move you to the promised land that God has in store for you is the kind of faith that will require some action on your part. Because faith without works is no faith at all. I'm talking to you today about a change of direction. I want you to imagine the blind man on his way to the pool He's got mud in his eyes. Can you picture that? He's walking on his way to the pool with mud plastered on his face. Faith is compelling him to believe the unbelievable, to place hope 
in what he does not understand. I'm certain that as he's on his way to the pool, doubt is trying to undermine his faith. Can you imagine someone coming up alongside of him and asking him, Hey, what are you doing? Well, it's hard to explain, but I'm going to go wash this mud out of my eyes. Well, I noticed that. That's why I asked, what are you doing? What I really want to know is, how would you get the mud in your eyes? Well, Jesus put it there. And he told me to go wash it off. Oh, yeah? What's supposed to happen when you wash it off? You know, I'm not sure. He didn't exactly spell it out. Nowhere in the text does, does it say that Jesus said, if you go do what I said to do, you're going to receive your sight again. So I guess I just kind of understood that he loves me and, and he wanted to give me a change. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I just believe that if I do what he said to do, something is going to happen. Oh, yeah? So he touched your eyes and you believe you're going to receive your sight? How do you feel right now? Not so good. How's your sight right now? How many fingers am I holding up? Well, I can't see. What do you mean you can't see? I thought you said Jesus was healing you. And that is exactly how doubt attacks the work of God in our lives. Can I tell you, Pastor, that there's going to come a moment. There may come more than one where doubt will creep into your mind and heart. And doubt will tell you, what in the world are you doing? Why are you getting the hopes of these people up? These precious people that I've given you to pastor. Why? Why didn't you just stay where you were? Why didn't you just be content with what you had? But when doubt comes up, you can just say, I'm doing what God said to do. I'm living in obedience to his word. I don't know what's going to happen. It may not be that building. Maybe there's a better building he has for us. But I'm just doing what God said to do. I'm being obedient to the word. But doubt immediately begins to tell you your life can't change. Things will always remain as they have been. You're stuck on this path, pulled along by this unseen current in society, absolutely powerless to change your direction. But can I tell you that doubt doesn't account for the miraculous. Doubt doesn't account for that outside force that is now acting upon your life. Without Jesus, yeah, you can say it's hopeless. Without Jesus, I can never change the things the way they are. That's why in society, things have remained the same as they always have been. Because we're searching for answers in all the wrong places. You've got to go to the Lord Jesus Christ if you want real change. If you ever hope to change things, it'll be by the help of Almighty God. 
When God shows up, the waters of the Red Sea part and we walk across on dry ground. When God shows up, the woman with the issue of blood sick for 12 years is instantly healed and made whole. When God shows up, the walls of Jericho fall down flat. The three Hebrews come out of the furnace. Daniel comes out of the lion's den. The sun stands still. The moon holds its place when God shows up. Can I go further? When God shows up, sinners that have lived their entire lives apart from God can have a change of direction when they live in obedience to the Lord. When God shows up drug addiction, alcoholism, the vices of this world are broken and the Lord gives a change of direction in your life. When God shows up, your past mistakes and failures are put under the blood of the Lamb and your life is turned around by the power of God. The very best that this world has to offer is let's put you in a treatment program. The very best that the world has to offer is a 12-step program to get out of your trouble. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking against it, okay? It's done some wonderful things, and some people's lives have been changed. But forevermore, you are a recovering whatever you were. You're never completely healed. You're never completely set free. You're always in the background being controlled by whatever that thing was that had you in its bondage and in its grip. But can I tell you, there's a program talked about in the Word of God that tells you just one touch from the Master, just one moment, just one look to Almighty God, just one moment in the presence of God when you surrender yourself completely to the Lord. I, I've got to tell you, I can't just leave you there. It won't work if you don't surrender to God. You can't come to God with your list and say, Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do this. Yeah, I, I can do that. Cross that one off. No way. No way. No. I can do this. Yeah, I can do that. I can show up on Sunday. Yeah, that's good. I can lift my hands when everybody, yeah. I can, I can do that. I can sing. Yeah, I can, I can do that. Well, I can't really sing, but I can open my mouth and say the words. Uh, I can do it, but, oh, oh, change. I got to change my lifestyle. I, I got to correct some things. Well, I've always done that. This is how I've always dressed. This is how I all, I, I've always looked. I, I've always done, well, I don't. Does it really matter all that much? Does, does, it, does it really matter? Can I tell you? If you want to be set free, if you want a change of direction, you, you show me a guy that's drowning in the ocean trying to grab for a breath of air, he'll do anything to get that next breath of air. 
But our problem is we don't see our situation the same as that guy drowning in a sea. We don't ever equate, yeah, without God, I'm not, without God, I can't do it. I'm sorry, Pastor. Let me get back to my message here. Doubt will tell you that the promise of God is too good to be true. Doubt will tell you that you're destined to remain as you always have been. Doubt will tell you you've got no choice but to follow along and just go along with everybody else. Doubt will tell you that you can't spiritually grow this year. But the voice of the master is speaking into your life today. It's not a demand. It's not an imperative. It does not contain the force of an order. But gently he whispers, go. Be obedient. Respond in faith and see what happens. Gently he whispers, would you just come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest for I am meek and lowly in heart. I won't bruise you like you've been bruised in the world. I won't hurt you like you've been hurt in the world. But I am meek and lowly. That's my heart. That's my very nature. So you can come and not worry about being misused. So the blind man goes. In his perpetual darkness, he finds his way to the pool of Siloam. Where he washes the mud from his eyes. And for the first time ever, he sees light instead of darkness. I cannot imagine what that moment must have been like for him. I can't imagine. He's walking In a brand new world. He retraced the path that he'd walked before. He returned to the place where Jesus anointed his eyes. Only this time for the first time ever. He could see the bread in the oven in the corner stall. He could see the fine garments that were laid out on tables as he passed by in the marketplace. He could see the crowd that rushed by. Carried about with the busyness of the day. Only now. The crowd noticed him. Before, he was just a nameless beggar. But now there's something different about him. They begin to whisper among themselves, Isn't that the man that used to sit at the corner and beg? Something's different about Oh, oh no, that's not him. He just looks like him. Uh, Everybody knows blind people can't see. Now, I'm certain that's somebody else. No. No, that's that. He's got the same clothes on that I saw that he had today. I, 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 the whole world knows, though, blind people can't see. You can't change who you are. A blind man from birth is destined to stay that way. It just can't happen. That's the law of inertia. It will always be but what it has always been. But in the blind beggar, the crowd is faced with an anomaly. Here is a man who has changed. You look around you today at people you're sitting next to in this sanctuary this morning. Here is a man who has changed. Here is a lady who has changed. Here's a man who has changed. Here's a man who God touched and he has changed. 
I've got to bring this to a close. I preached too long already. Sister Dibble, if you could come. I want to tell somebody today that God has the power to change your life. You are not ruled by your past. Your future is not predetermined by your mistakes. You do not have to remain what you have always been. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ. No, that probably does, in the original language, it probably means just the good folks. Right? Those who haven't made too many mistakes. Those who grew up on the right side of the tracks. Those who, whose life, you know, really has amounted to, no, no. It just says, therefore, if any man, if anybody is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Jesus is the only one that can take your life and give you a change of direction. I've pastored for a long time now. Your pastor has been a pastor for a long time now. No doubt we could tell you stories today about people who thought, no, I just can't do it. I want to believe what you're telling me. I've sat in cars and I've sat across desks from people who begin to pour their heart out to me. I want to believe what you're telling me, Pastor. That sounds so good. I really wish I could be free from the things that have me bound. I want to believe that there's a better life for me. I want to believe that there's a different future than the one that's been predetermined for me. But uh, I look around me, it just doesn't seem to be possible. Can I tell you, Jesus is the only one that can touch your life and give you a change of direction. Stand with me today. When you leave this altar today, you may look like the same person, but there is the potential for everything to be changed. Your course, your path, your direction, your future will all be changed. The ancient of days, the almighty, all-powerful God is in this place today and He has the power with just one touch to forever change your life. I believe all humanity is represented in that nameless, blind beggar of John chapter 9. And here, Jesus is the light of the world. How many know He never changes? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows everything there is to know. He knows all about your situation today. He never changes. He's still the light of the world today. And for anyone who's been in spiritual darkness, just one touch from the Master today 
can turn your life completely around. These altars are open this morning. I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to stay the way it's been. Inertia is a law that's subject to change from an outside force. That outside force is the Lord Jesus Christ today. And can I tell you, He wants to change your life. He wants to change your life today. But you've got to do something. You've got to be obedient to His Word. You've got to make that step of faith today. And when you get up from this altar today with a changed life and a changed mind and a changed heart, you've got to determine in obedience to the Word of the Lord, I'm going to live a changed life. Come on, I hear the voice of God calling you this morning to a change of direction. Why don't you let Him touch you today? Right where you're at, begin to reach out to the Lord. If you're not comfortable coming down here to the altar, right where you're at, reach out to the Lord today. Allow Him to give you a change of direction in your life. Come on, the Master has prepared the mud. He smeared it in your eyes. He's urging you to make a move, to go, to do, to respond to His Word today. The only question is how are you going to respond today to His Word?
anybody agree today? Let's stand. We say yes to his will. We say yes to his word. We agree. I want to be like that blind man. If you don't remember anything that you heard throughout this, these four days of Brother Dibble ministering to you, put yourself in that blind man's position and say, what happens now that Jesus has touched you? What happens now that I've heard his word? And I want to be like that blind man that says, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to follow through. He gave me instructions to go. And I'm going to follow through. I'm going to follow through. I believe he has spoken to all of us in here today. I believe he's touched all of us today. But now it's up to us to follow through. Now it's up to us to say, will I go to the pool of Siloam to wash, to follow through, and to see what God wants to do in my life? Oh, God, aren't you curious? Aren't you curious to want to know what God wants to do in your life? I don't just want to do oh, what I think I should do, but I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. I don't want to be at status quo, but I want to be so curious. I want to be so interested to see, God, what do you want to do in me? And the only way we're going to know is if we get that attitude of that blind man. And while we're walking to the pool, regardless of what the naysayers are saying, regardless of how ridiculous we seem, regardless of how much we look like we're out of touch and what we're going after is just out of, it doesn't make good sense. Regardless of all the naysaying, regardless of what the devil will cause people to whisper to you, you just hold on to that spirit of, I want to see what Jesus want to do in my life. I want to know what Jesus wants to do in my life. And so the only way I will ever know it is if I follow through. The only way I will ever experience it is if I keep going. And I won't worry about if you laugh at me. I won't worry about how I look. Church, when we go from this place, this is what happened. Brother, Pastor Dibble was just so on point in everything that he says. I can go back to when I first gave my life to the Lord. I remember the whole thought of what my partners that I was rolling with going to think. When I'm no longer doing what they are still doing, and those are the things, and, and what you say, I remember this. This was one that gripped me really good. For those of you that wasn't, I understand, but I was a fornicator. And I remember when I told my boys that I'm saved and I don't do that anymore. They just couldn't believe it. They just thought that that was like foreign and that was like against the law. I think my wife was with me the first time I went around my boys. And I said, yeah, I'm going to marry her. And, and they come over. So what about the whole lifestyle? I said, no. And they're like, no, you, no way. You can't be like that because they knew the old me. But I had been touched by Jesus. And they didn't understand that. I had been touched by Jesus. And they just couldn't understand, like, your life has changed? You don't drink anymore? You don't do all of this anymore? I've been touched. But 
I didn't stop at being touched. This is, this is what we got to get a hold of. We, didn't, we don't want to stop at being touched. Because if I stopped at being touched, I wouldn't be here today. When Jesus touched you, when Jesus speaks to you, when Jesus look at you, make up in your heart and your mind to say, I'm going to follow through in faith and obedience to see what he has in store for me. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Brothers and Sister Dibble, we are grateful and thankful that you came here and ministered unto us. We are forever blessed and grateful. Amen. What you've brought to us, only you could have brought it to us. You're special, yes, but it's because that's what God wanted. And I just, I'm in awe of how the Lord is so wonderful, Sister Dibble. I watch how he uses his is is people, is children, how we all minister in different ways. And I just, I, I, I'm, thank, I'm watching Brother Dibble minister, and I said, I thank God that that's how God uses him. Right? I'm thanking God that God, I'm, I'm, I'm cheering. I'm like, go ahead, brother, because I can't minister that way. That's not the way God called me to minister. Not the way God, but that's the way God called him to minister. And so we don't get that unless he does that. By him being obedient to the Lord and saying, I'm going to go. And so I am grateful for them. As I mentioned to you, they're wonderful friends and they're great examples. When you find great examples in Christ, connect with them. Hook up with them because you want to be with the right people so you can learn. I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room all the time. I don't want to always be the most spiritual guy in the room. There's times where I'm going to be the most spiritual guy when I go to work. Shauna, when I go to work, I want to be the most spiritual guy. But when I get around some other folks, I'm all right. Somebody else, God can use, anoint them a special way to minister. And he certainly used the dibbles to minister to us today and Friday and Thursday. And we're forever blessed. Let them know how much you love them and appreciate them. Amen. Pray that God will continue to work in their life and use them mightily. Amen, where he has placed them. Let us pray and thank God today as we go from this place. Lord Jesus, we're thankful. The way how you minister to us, Lord, oftentimes we're left speechless. Oftentimes we are just left in awe of you. As we go from this place today, Lord, we will forever be grateful. We will forever be thankful. But Lord, we just ask one more time that you will help us to follow through. <laughs> that Lord, when we become weary, when doubt creep in, you will just let your voice echo what we've heard here this morning. Just let your echo come into our mind when, when, when our adversary come to try to distract us and try to get the best of us. Let your echo continue to just be in our mind. Oh, God, we love you so very much, Lord. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, that you reveal yourself to us and that you called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. <laughs> you are the light of the world. And oh, God, we're so grateful to now walk in light and no longer in darkness, to walk in truth and not in lies. Oh, God, you're so wonderful. 
Thank you, Lord, for the devils. Continue, Lord, to do a great work in them and through them. I pray your forever favor upon their life. That you will use them mightily to do your will. And, oh, God, you will continue what you've started in this church. That we will begin to see growth. And that we will begin to thrive. We will mature spiritually. And oh my God, the ministry that you've called us all to, that we will truly say yes and fulfill it. We love and praise you and thank you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. God bless you, church. I love you. I love you so much. Thank you for all your kindness toward my wife and my family. Continue to keep us in prayer. God bless you. Have a great day.